Hello, everyone, and welcome back to listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. For today's episode, we have two special and amazing guests, Joy Short and Nina Lucas from the Consent Awareness Network. Joy Short is the author of the book, Your Consent, The Key to Conquering Sexual Assault. She is also a TEDx Talk presenter, When Yes Means No, The Truth About Consent, which you can, you can view on YouTube. She is also the founder of the Consent Awareness Network. Now, I am very happy that these two brave, courageous women were able to come on the show and talk more on what is the true meaning of consent, because unfortunately, people get the word consent mixed up with other definitions, which you will you'll listen to during the podcast. And what I find key is that uh, Nina and Joyce make it crystal clear what full consent, what consent really means. And it really brings a lot of, a lot of healing, especially to me. Although my story, my, my testimony does not involve sexual assault, it does, unfortunately, my story is more of a, a spiritual assault, a, a spiritual abuse, where I'm in the position that, yes, I did agree to to join this religious community slash cult for for some for some particular reasons. I joined to become a missionary. I joined to get a good education. However, when I was in there, I didn't see that what they promised was being fulfilled. And in my mind, I'm starting to think. Oh, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for for what's happening. And I wanted to leave, but it's it's hard because in my mind I'm thinking I said yes to this. I said yes to this lifestyle and even though it's not what I expected it to be, I just got to toughen it up and carry my cross. And speaking with Joyce and Nina, I was able to see more clearly that it wasn't really full consent. And there was deception that was happening. There was deception to me. There was deception to the family. There was deception all around. And I thought that I had consented to something. But because of this deception, manipulation, that consent isn't full. And so therefore it's not real consent. So anyways, you'll be listening more about how manipulators, how perpetrators get around and how they fool people and how unfortunately there is in many cases, in many cases, no true protection for uh, women for victims, and how it is very important that the definition, the true definition of consent be known by everyone. So without further ado, 
I will present to you the interview conducted uh, with Joy Short and Nina Lucas. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the podcast, The Truth That Heals. Today, I have two special guests from the Consent Awareness Network. One is author of the book, uh, Your Consent, the, the Key to Conquering Sexual Assault, Joyce Short, who is also joined by Nina Lucas. How are you all doing today? Welcome to the show. Hey there, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you Thanks. for having us. We're thrilled to be here. It's an honor, and um, I'm very grateful to have you here. Uh, could you please introduce yourselves to the audience so they can know who you are and what your network is all about? I'm Joy Short, uh, and uh, I'm uh, not only the author of Your Consent, the Key to Conquering Sexual Assault, I'm also the founder of the Cons um, Consent Awareness Network, and we work with our mission is to uh, actually work with society and help the public understand what the meaning of consent actually is, and also to define consent in our laws. Uh, because as strange as it may seem, there isn't a single state or jurisdiction across the country or around the world that actually defines the noun consent in our laws. So it's absolutely essential. And we've seen through the Weinstein case, through the Cosby case, through other high profile cases, uh, that consent absolutely is uh, just, you know, in the murky zone. People do not recognize what consent is. Our laws don't recognize what consent is. And in order to support the 14th Amendment that tells us that we all are entitled to uh, prote uh, equal protection under the law, uh, we can't possibly get equal protection under the law unless the uh, elements of that protection are consistent from one case to another. In order to, bring, in order to make that happen, we have to define the elements very clearly. And the one thing that uh, actually determines whether the person is guilty or, uh, guilty or innocent is whether or not they had consent. And uh, that's true in all crimes, not simply in sex crimes. And for that reason, it's absolutely imperative that we have one consistent definition for consent in all crimes. Thank you, Joyce. And Nina. Hello, I'm Nina Lucas. I am the Chief of Staff of the Consent Awareness Network. I am also an outreach ambassador for my home state, which is Pennsylvania, where the Cosby trials took place. Um, Joyce and I have known each other for a while, about four years. Um, and basically, I've been working with her ever since. Um, I came across Joyce's work because I was trying to understand, much like you are, Tony, Oh, you know, what happened? Um, I, I knew that something felt wrong. I was um, a survivor of a, of a horrible catastrophic consent, um, you know, uh, violation. And I didn't understand why I couldn't pursue justice. I couldn't pursue justice because Pennsylvania doesn't define consent. And I couldn't pursue justice through the uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice in the um, uh, you know, uh, for our armed forces, because my offender was a um, high-ranking military officer, there was no way that I could because of the way consent was dealt with, uh, misunderstood, and uh, indeed, again, in Pennsylvania, there is no definition of consent. So finding Joyce's work, 
um, really was, I always say it's a eureka moment for me. I, uh, I finally got it. Um, and as far as my healing journey, and I tell this to other survivors, once you understand the true meaning of consent, uh, this um, victim blaming and shaming that we put upon ourselves, and we're the worst ones who apply it, um, can, can lift. Um, you can be relieved of it. You can, you can come to an understanding, and it, it's just so valuable, and it's a message that we want to take to um, survivors everywhere. It's the, it's the light bulb moment. Yeah. It was. I've even mm -hmm. been told that from people that are, uh, I've, I've had uh, judges tell me and lawyers tell me, uh, you know, it, it was like a light bulb went off in their brain once they read the book or understand our message. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It, it's it, it it's a beautiful message. It, it's beautiful and it really resonates with me. Um, like for those who haven't, you know, heard my story, um, I was in a Catholic religious community, which ended up doing some coercion and having some cult-like tactics I would say but what happened was you know I said yes and I consented and I agreed to stay there I agreed to stay even though I had fear even though well the fear was always it was more spiritual it was that spiritual fear of oh damnation or something bad is going to happen to me and so I stayed there. And then when I decided to escape, to leave, and as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm sure that there are many, you know, uh, domestic abuse survivors who have this fear of leaving. And then, you know, when, when you leave, there's this guilt that stays in the mind. There's this guilt and shame that I had, which was, oh, I consented to this. Oh, I agreed. Or I wrote my name down on a paper. And so there was this, uh, like Nina was saying, this guilt and shame, because there, there's this feeling that there's nothing that one can do about it. Right, because it's already done. <laughs> and then Joyce, you mentioned how there isn't a definite, well, there, there are definitions, but legally, there's nothing that's, that's um, clear across the board. Absolutely. And actually, you know, we, we're seeing uh, today, there's a considerable amount of information out there that people have uh, created in order to rectify the problem because people recognize that there is a problem. But unfortunately, what you generally hear are things that don't really resolve the problem. You hear this thing called knowing consent or enthusiastic consent or all these other different types. Affirmative, of affirmative informed, consent. yeah. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. only one definition for the noun consent, and it encompasses all of those things. Consent is freely given, knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity <laughs> to reason. Do, do you have that shirt on? I do, I've got my shirt on, so I'm just trying. Oh, yeah, freely given, knowledgeable, informed agreement, FGKIA. By a person with the capacity to reason, and so, you know, when you're saying uh, uh, knowledgeable consent, well, that's that's really, you know, absurd because it's sort of like saying a circular circle. Mm -hmm. Being knowledgeable is essential in order for you to be consenting. If you're not knowledgeable, you're not consenting. And we know this through Nuremberg Code. We know it through GDPR, which is General Data Protection Regulation. Uh, we know it through Model Penal Code. Uh, I'm not making this up. There's uh, 
the basic uh, codes that exist in many different realms of behavior uh, that we apply uh, significantly. Uh, when you go for your COVID shot, you have to sign a consent form. And if you understand what consent is through Nuremberg Code, it's freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity to reason. So we all understand that that's true when we go for our COVID shot, right? If somebody told you, I'm gonna give you a, um, I'm gonna give you an allergy shot, right? And instead they gave you a COVID shot, they would be violating you, wouldn't they? Because you're not knowledgeable or informed. And uh, when you put your data on the internet, general data protection regulation determines what can be done with your data. And general data protection regulation was actually introduced at the same time that I presented my TEDx talk. And I have to tell you that I was absolutely floored when I first read GDPR because I had no idea. I'm not a tech person, as you all well know, <laughs> with all the trouble I had getting on this call today. Um, but uh, GDPR states very clearly that consent is freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity to reason. And my TEDx talk that I presented at the exact same time, uh, this was May of 2018, says consent is freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement and by a person, of course, with the capacity to reason. So there is foundational awareness and codes that uh, that we follow in other realms other than sex crime. Uh, but somehow when it comes to sex crime, our brains go into the murky zone and we pretend that we don't understand what consent is. It's baloney. We all know what consent is. We teach it to our kids. Every parent teaches their, teaches their child, uh, don't hit your sister, right? Don't scare your baby brother. Uh, don't sign my name on your report card. Uh, don't borrow your sister's sweater while she's taking a nap, right? All of these things, the foundation is consent. And we teach that to our children as they're growing up. But once they're grown and they're out of the house and they're not in our family any longer, they're not in, in, in uh, you know, uh, children in our family and we, we set the boundaries for them. Uh, they go out into the world and the world has to set those boundaries. The world has to enforce the boundaries that our parents told us. Uh, and when you look at the law, it doesn't say that uh, sexual assault is, it, it says non-consensual sex. It doesn't say um, that there's a specific type of, and that's what people are trying to enforce today that there has to be some specific type of consent. Wrong, no, there has to be consent, freely given, knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity to reason. The other thing that people have to understand is that there is a noun consent and that's what it means. And there's also to consent. To consent is the verb. And unfortunately, most of our laws confuse the two. Uh, to consent means to convey consent to another. And you can't convey consent to another 
unless consent is actually taking place, the noun. So a lot of our laws that you're seeing uh, getting passed today happened in Alaska very recently, happened in Indiana very recently. Uh, and Spain the other day. Mm -hmm. Fought very, very hard. Spain's doing it. Australia is doing it. And they're enforcing this ignorance that says that your words and conduct determine whether or not you consented. And that's absolute baloney because your words and your conduct, if they result from force, fear, fraud, or by exploiting your incapacity are not consent, no matter what you say and no matter what you do. The malicious influence that got you to say and do those things is what determines whether or not you consented because malicious influence, force, fear, fraud, incapacity, exploiting your incapacity, uh, you know, you can, you can agree all you want. Uh, you, can, you can scream and yell, yeah, yeah, please, please. No, I'm sorry. If what caused you to say, please, please was malicious influence, you're not consenting. Yes, you can say yes very enthusiastically. You know, we talk a lot about enthusiastic consent and Joyce and I are rolling our eyes because, um, you know, consent again is, the definition is the same everywhere you go. I always say, you know, the bedroom, boardroom, operating room, playroom, chat room, locker room, whatever. It's always the same. And, um, you know, uh, or when we sign a contract, I mean, I'm not jumping up and down with glee to sign a contract, you know, it's just, I'm giving my consent. And so um, we are trying to um, get people focused on exactly what it is and why it's so important that we get it into our laws. And as I hear you talking about these laws that are passing, which are so, as you were saying, baloney, um, me as a victim and not a victim of sexual assault, but of, you know, deception, you know, thinking that, okay, yes, I, I wrote down my name of agreement, or I did say the words, yes, I will stay here. That to me, knowing that even though I was kind of put in a, uh, I, I was put in a corner to say those things. I was put in a corner to agree. And now I have no legal protection because I said yes. And you were uh, doing it out of fear, right? If, you, if somebody um, coerced you to sign over your property, right? They'd be stealing it, wouldn't they? Yes. Right. But if they, uh, if they make you fearful uh, in, in order to engage you in some sort of sexual conduct, right? They're, they're uh, conducting a sexual assault, uh, but that's not how our laws read. And that's how our laws should read. They should uh, read. Yes. Force, fear, fraud, incapacity. I call them the three F words. You know, when I go into schools or uh, uh, churches, you know, with kids and um, uh, I'll say to them, look, I, I, I know that you all know what the F word is for sex. Uh, but did you know that there are three F words that should never take place in sex? And they're force, fear, fraud. And there's an I word, and that's incapacity. So you should never exploit someone's incapacity uh, and call that consent. And I think that it's important for um, your, uh, your listeners to understand that there are different types of agreement, mm -hmm. right? There's assent. Assent means agreement on the face of it. So anytime you nod your head yes, 
uh, you're agreeing, you're assenting, but are you consenting? Because assent means agreement on the face of it, and consent means uh, agreeing because you're knowledgeable, informed, you're not being forced, you're not in fear, right? And then there's acquiescence. So we can go back to Harvey Weinstein, who's now won the ability to appeal his case. Uh, and uh, it's just absolutely bizarre. But uh, people who make you fearful or people that use a power differential, uh, if a person is a, let's say, a, a, a police officer, right? And you're afraid of the police officer and what they're going to do to you if you don't comply. I'm not saying that all police officers are bad. Please don't get me. You know, I don't want to hear Joyce said that, you know, all police officers do these horrible, nasty things. No, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly in support of the uh, police. I think that they, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't live without them. Uh, but yes, certainly if someone is, uh, if, if someone is exploiting their power differential in order to get you to do something that you would otherwise not do, then, uh, then you're not consenting, even though you go along even though you're acquiescing, right? You're acquiescing under duress. You're agreeing under duress. So there's assent, that's agreement, uh, that's agreement on the face of it. There's acquiescence, and that's agreement under duress. And then there's consent, which is freely given, knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity uh, to reason. Now, as I'm hearing these definitions, I mean, it's it's clearly obvious it's not the same thing, because right. for for consent, once you drop, you know, uh, freely given, knowledgeable, informed. Once you drop any of those letters, the FGKIA, it's no longer consent. Yeah. It has to have a, a a wholesome, it has to be whole, complete, and unfortunately. Uh, looking at assent and acquiescence, because I've, I've been studying your book, you know, I've been listening to the TED Talks, you know, taking my notes, because it does get, and I think it's sometimes ma maliciously confused by some people, especially 100%. manipulators, they, they'll twist it purposefully, because they know that consent, and it, it's not just it's not just the victims who need to understand what consent is. But I, my opinion is that uh, you know, the bad people, the abusers, the manipulators, they need the perpetrators, they need to know that something's happening to uh, get this across the board of the full meaning of consent, because all these loopholes, they're just going to go through it, and they're going to twist people around, spin them as they want. And then what, what do you have? You have the Bill Cosby's, you have the, um, what's his name, the, uh, the doctor for the gymnast, um, Larry, Na uh, Larry Nasser. What a jerk, but he yeah. really took that, uh, that power of being the doctor, being the, uh, uh, the one to take care of, of these innocent children. And, you know, in the minds of, of these little girls, it's, you know, you're looking at the man of power and it is his job. And so, you know, they, they do this submission and, but he knows what he's doing. Absolutely knows what oh. he's doing. Yeah, well, offenders yeah. know, oh, I'm sorry, I, offenders know mm -hmm. that all they have to do to be within the letter of the law is to get you to say yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you, if you comply and you say yes, then it's kind of game over. And, and, you know, and that's what law enforcement has, you know, basically taught us, you know, you go and try to report things. They don't want to hear it. Um, you know, defense attorneys uh, will pick, you know, uh, somebody apart if they're on the stand asking, what did you say? What did you do? Where, where were you? Where, where were you born even? I mean, it just is ridiculous. So, you know, they know very well that um, our laws are deficient and they I, take advantage of it. our laws a Swiss cheese umbrella because our laws uh, tell you very specific cases of sexual predation that will be prosecuted. But they don't, uh, but they, they don't use the definition for consent because then they would have to, uh, then they would have to prosecute all forms of sexual assault. And, uh, and instead they want to just pick and choose those specific types of sexual assault that they're going to, uh, that they're going to prosecute. Uh, and, uh, and so it's like, you know, <clears throat> uh, you mentioned the word loopholes. I love that word because that's what our laws look like. Uh, they look like a Swiss cheese umbrella full of legal loopholes and uh, sexual predators just dive right into those legal loopholes uh, without any accountability or justice for their victims. And, and legislators for, uh, for centuries have enabled this to happen. I won't even say that it just occurs. They're actually enabling it to happen. And, you know, we talk to a lot of legislators and uh, some legislators get it and they're responsible and they understand that it has to change and they endeavor to do so. And other legislators, even, you know, here in New York, uh, we see legislators, we, we have a bill pending in New York in both the Senate and in the assembly that will define consent as freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement uh, in, the, in the state of New York. And it hasn't passed yet, it's still pending. And we're still getting some of that pushback, naysaying pushback, because legislators know that, you know, they, first of all, the, the chief concern of a legislator is getting uh, reelected. And if their constituents, uh, you know, th this is this is transformational, uh, and uh, if they get negative pushback from their uh, from their constituents, then they're going to lose votes by doing the right thing. So legislators don't pass laws simply because uh, they know it's going to do the right thing. They pass laws, and to to a large measure, it's an unusual legislator that will actually. Uh, introduce a law because they know it's the right thing to do. And they have to literally push against all those legislators that are naysayers that are concerned that they're not going to get reelected uh, if they do the right thing. And that's really the impasse that we're, that we're at. But we're going to push against that impasse forever, right? for as long as it takes mm -hmm. yeah. in, order to, in order to get this done, because it's the right thing. It's the solution for society that enables society to get past the ridiculous rape mentality that is currently uh, at fault in society today. Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a wonderful expression. Uh, she said, uh, we change nothing until we change our laws. Yeah. And, uh, and we're determined, the Consent Awareness Network is absolutely determined to do exactly that, we're going to change our laws. I don't care how long it takes 
don't care how much we have to fight in order to do it. Uh, that's what we're going to Yeah, do. Joyce has been doing this for close to 15 years about, and, and she was a voice crying in the wilderness and everybody thought she was crazy. And, you know, we've had a lot of, um, a lot of maturation and, and evolution, I guess, with Me Too and things like that. Um, that's, that's really brought this little into the forefront. Yeah, up. a little bit, I would say evolution, not revolution. I also wanted to point out that our bill in New York State is being introduced into general law because, you know, and I'm sure you, you fight this, Tony. When you say consent, everybody, everybody thinks of sex. And, you know, obviously it's an element in that. But consent, as we were talking earlier, is an element in everything. And, and certainly, um, you know, part of, of, of your experience, um, we had um, someone do a legal analysis of um, New York Penal Code. And consent was mentioned 162 times all without a definition. And it's in all kinds of laws. In fact, I was chuckling. I always chuckle because it's in the law for arson. You know, it's, it's like, don't burn down something without that, you know, the owner's consent, right? Yeah. Uh, and, but it's, none of it has the clarification. So we're, we are really, really pleased that, uh, you know, it, it is being introduced into general law because consent is, you know, is, um, is an element of so many things. Absolutely. And it's, it's something that we, we need to address that this is not, yeah. Defined. I mean, in, in New York penal code, uh, things are defined like person is defined, yeah. <laughs> you know, office. Yeah. Okay. But not consent, which is um, such a, uh, you know, vital um, element to, to define. And I also just wanted to point out too, in consent education, because consent is such a buzzword, right? Hashtag consent, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there's so many so-called consent educators out there or, or uh, you know, licensed, uh, you know, uh, educators as well. They're talking about what consent is. And they're usually talking about, I guess, what is ethical. You know, you're like, you know, drunk is not consent. Uh, you know, coercion is not consent. But guess what? That's not, you know, backed up in the law. I mean, you know, in some, I forget, was it in Minnesota, Joyce, or some in Missouri? just recently i mean they were talking you know they weren't protected because um there's nothing in the law that says that you know if you're drunk um you know you can consent or can't consent so you know these we're con we're constantly dealing with these what joy says you know plugging up legal loopholes one by one when we could be just defining consent and take a lot of this all out right in the state of texas uh they actually have uh, replicated model penal code. Model penal code says uh, consent is ineffective if induced by force, duress, or deception. Now, in Texas, uh, because no, none of these states want to look like they're copying model penal code. I don't know why, because model penal code, you know, got it almost right. That's actually, it, it's actually a little bit inaccurate, and I'll explain to you why uh, in a second, because I don't want to get off track. But in Texas, uh, they say consent is not effective if induced by force, duress, or deception. So we had uh, we have three consent awareness uh, uh, outreach ambassadors that went around to five precincts in the state of Texas with rape cases, and they were told each time, and they quoted the fact that consent was not effective uh, based on the statutes in Texas. Consent is not effective if induced by force, duress, or deception. And they were told, and I actually have this on an audio uh, uh, tape, uh, consent is not an element of rape in the state of Texas. And 
that um, uh, statute where consent is not effective if induced by force, duress, or deception only applies in theft, but not in sexual assault or rape. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, yes. It's crazy. And what were you probably going to talk to us about how it's telling us what consent is not? Yes. Uh, you know, most of our, our statutes tell us consent is not this and consent is not that. In order for people to understand what something is, you have to tell them what that thing is. <laughs> and if I were to say to you, uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a millennial, right? Would you, would you know that I'm a gray-haired baby boomer? Yeah. So you can't tell people what, you know, there's an infinite amount of things that, that, uh, that, that something is not. You have to tell people what something is so that they can be guided by that concept uh, in, in how they conduct themselves. And it seems like such an easy concept. And well, for me, consent is something sacred, something that you don't just give to anybody, especially regarding, you know, sexual activity. And even, you know, um, like contracts, you know, it's something sacred where, you, where of course, you want to be informed. And it seems so, it, it seems like it should be common sense. Yeah. And, and, and I think you might know where I'm going with this, because I think it was either in your book or I heard it in your podcast regarding the Bill Cosby case where yeah. this judge was asked by the jury, and maybe you can tell a story because you say it much yeah. better. Uh, you know, it was, it's very interesting because uh, in, both the, in both the Cosby case and the Weinstein case, uh, the, one of the first questions that the jurors asked the judge is, what's the definition for consent? And it's very, very common in all sexual assault and rape cases for juries to ask that question. So the judge in the Cosby case was uh, Stephen O'Neill. And he said to them, you're reasonable people. First, he said, uh, that's a question that cannot be answered, right? So people tell us, oh, no, it's there, it's there, it's defined. No, it's not. You know, here's the judge telling the jury, that's a question that can't be answered. You're reasonable people, use your common sense. And in the uh, Weinstein case, when the jury asked, uh, Judge Burke said to them, use your common sense, because there is no definition for consent in Pennsylvania or in, uh, or in the state of New York. Fortunately, uh, in Pennsylvania, the woman who was the foreperson for the Bill Cosby jury, the second jury that actually convicted him, was a cybersecurity expert, and therefore, she was very well acquainted with the definition for consent in GDPR, in General Data Protection Regulation. Now, GDPR is international law throughout the European Union. And as, as in the United States, we all still have to adhere to GDPR, even though it's a European law. Because if you want to do business with anyone on the internet in Europe, you, act, you have to abide by GDPR. Yes. Uh, and so the concept that, GD, that uh, consent is freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement by a person with the capacity to reason was something that the foreperson for the jury understood in the Bill Cosby case. Uh, in, the first, uh, in the first jury, with the first jury, they didn't have 
that poor person sitting on that jury. And she can't be the poor person on every jury all across, all across the world. Uh, and so we need to get this definition codified in law so that we have the consistency because the crime itself is not what a jury is supposed to be determining. They're not supposed to be determining what's the crime. They're supposed to be determining does the evidence prove or disprove that a crime took place, right? But instead, because we have no definition for the uh, for consent, we have no definition for what the crime actually is. And that has to change. We cannot uh, guarantee equal justice and equal protection for all until we have the crime defined for all. Yes. And um, Joyce, I, I believe Nina mentioned earlier that you've been on this mission for 15 years. Long time. <laughs> Long time. And then only recently, I think it was 2019 or 2020, when that Me Too movement started happening. Um, Me Too. 2017. Oh, 2017. Wow. 2017. Yeah, it's back then. Uh, uh, you know, Me Too was important for society because it made society understand how widespread this problem actually is. But just understanding that we have a problem doesn't solve the problem. People telling their stories, you know, that raises awareness, but it's not the solution. We have to have the solution. And the solution is to define consent clearly in our laws so that a person like Bill Cosby or a person like Russell Simmons or a person like uh, Harvey Weinstein understands and so that their victims understand and the police understand. Our justice system has to be established so that it understands when a crime takes place and has the ability and the authority to take action when that crime takes place. And what, what got you started on having this zeal? Because, I mean, it really is a mission. And I kind of want to understand where, where did this, this fire in you come from? You know, we, we have a, a saying around here that survivors know. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, survivors know like no one else, uh, you know, what, what's going on here. Uh, I'm a sexual assault survivor. Uh, when you watch my TEDx talk or when you read my my. My first book is called Carnal Abuse by Deceit. And uh, it's about portions of what happened to me. It's a memoir. And uh, so I was sexually assaulted three times. Three times. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, when you've been sexually assaulted three times, it kind of, uh, you know, I, it started me on this, on this mission to determine what's, what's going on here, what, what is happening. Uh, why, you know, first of all, like everybody else that, that this happens to, you know, I doubted myself, I doubted, you know, my, my responsibility. Uh, did I make it happen? Uh, did I cause it to happen? Uh, I'm, I was a, um, I'm a survivor of incest. Uh, as, a, as a child, uh, I was molested. 
uh, and certainly no child is ever guilty of causing, uh, you know, the uh, predation that uh, that happens to them. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, you know, like every other person that rolls up their sleeves uh, and gets involved in this mission, to a great extent, many of us uh, have been sexually assaulted. And it's 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 heartbreaking that you know that these things keep happening over the centuries and you know going you know reading over your book you were mentioning that even in the roman times that rape wasn't or if if you can maybe maybe share what what you uh explain in your book sure rape was actually a crime against the father of a virgin a virgin tax-paying citizen right so first off um, if the person was a slave, if the, if the father raped a slave, that was no big deal because, that per, because the person that he raped was not a taxpaying citizen uh, and he actually owned that person. So rape was only a crime against uh, the daughter of a taxpaying citizen, a virgin daughter of a taxpaying citizen because the, it was actually the theft of her chastity. And mm -hmm. her chastity was a marketable commodity. Even if she consented, even if, by our terms, by freely giving knowledgeable and informed agreement, mm -hmm. uh, she fell in love with somebody and they had sex and, and, uh, and she agreed. However, uh, if the father did not agree, then that person could, that's, that's a capital crime. That person could be put to death. Because in those times, and even now, sometimes we see women are commodity. unfortunately a commodity. They're viewed as property. And, uh -huh. you know, if this happened 2000 years ago during the Roman empire, and we're only starting to see now, you know, with the, the me too movement, uh, I've been, economy. I, it's, it's well for me like i've been i've been looking into recently like uh, jerry lewis and there have been accusations of him that have been coming out by women who saying that you know he would bring them into a room and like pull down his pants and do some uh evil things i'll just say evil things and you know putting these women in uncomfortable positions because it's either you you let him or you lose your job kind mm -hmm. of kind of thing and this is fear. 50 years ago fear this is 50 years ago and i'm i've been like you know thinking about like how many women or victims in general have been silent because it's humiliating because of, of that pushback well you agreed to walk in there or hey, hey you he didn't for he didn't put a gun to your head and and now you know i feel that this mission is almost like too late for some because many have already died and you know they've they've taken this burden with them to the grave yes. but it also brings a new chapter of hope that these exactly. things can be prevented and it's just so heartbreaking that yes we know about like um harvey weinstein uh possibly jerry lewis but it's like how about those other victims who have remained silent and they had no one to go to yeah. so your mission is just is something that i wish it, it, I wish you know we could go we could go back in time and get it already across the board to prevent 
but we can't go back but we can yeah. certainly go forward yeah exactly. and we need to protect our children as we're going forward we have to we have to you know draw that line in the sand yeah they look you know we're going to protect our kids so that they can grow up into a safe in uh, a, a world that's uh, safe from sexual assault and domestic violence uh all kinds of extortion that's used in sexual contact well, we always say that this is a human rights issue and, you know, it's a civil rights issue. And, you know, we're in a place where reasonable people, people of goodwill now realize, because this was not the idea throughout the millennia, that every individual is entitled to their bodily autonomy and personal agency. And we've got to bring our laws into the 21st century, because although we understand this to be actually a universal and eternal truth, we're just coming <laughs> to a point in, in, in history in, in most parts of the world where we really do acknowledge and honor that. But we got to bring our laws up to date. And that's what we're trying to do that will reflect our our beliefs that, um, you know, every person's life matters. You know, I mean, if you were a secretary for Jerry Lewis, I mean, you were considered to be a nobody. Um, you know, or, or, or whatever, but um, that's not something that we, we ethically understand anymore. So we got to bring the laws up to date. It goes right back to what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. Uh, we change nothing until we change our laws. Mm -hmm. And if we look, if we want to go forward with an understanding of what, uh, of what sexual con uh, conduct should look like mm -hmm. uh, and to uh, really prevent rape mentality, then we need to change our laws. Because you know, there was another, uh, another axiom that she created and uh, she used language that's no longer uh, language that society uses, but basically it's that society creates our moral reasoning uh, and uh, also um, our, uh, our laws shape our moral reasoning. So it acts both ways. Uh, you know, uh, society shapes our laws, society shapes our moral reasoning, our laws shape society and shape society's moral reasoning. So both of those things have to work together. Uh, we know what it is, and we have to get legislators who are brave enough to make the, to, to, to make the world a safer place. So let me ask you, how can people join you in this mission to Make a change in the laws. Make it make a definition across the board. How can people help you guys, join well, we, you guys? We work with legislators all around the country and all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we contact legislators to actually introduce the definition for consent in their jurisdiction. So anybody who wants to reach out to their legislator and work with us to get this done, we're happy to hear from them. Uh, we call them our uh, consent outreach ambassadors. Okay. Yeah. And uh, if you just, uh, um, I think that Nino can probably put the information, uh, give, give you the information for our links uh, so that you can become a consent outreach ambassador uh, in your jurisdiction. Also, we have a petition that they can sign in order to get the law passed in New York State. Uh, Anywhere, legislators don't like to be the first one to do something because it's hard. They're on the chopping block uh, and people take shots at them when they do something new and unique. Uh, and so 
they look to what already exists and they copy what already exists. In fact, we were on a phone call a couple of weeks ago and we were, went through all of the ins and outs of what consent was. And, and the end result was that this particular legislator turned to me and said, Joyce, what do you think is the best language that's out there? Why don't we just copy that and, and, and call it a day? And I said, because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to disappoint you, but there is nothing out there that is actually going to make the transformational change that society needs. And you're going to have to step up to the plate. And you're going to have to do something that's unique and different. Uh, and, uh, and if you do that, then people will copy your law. So the good news is we were able to get uh, UCMJ is Uniform Code of Military Justice governs military law and it's done federally. Uh, and uh, Representative Annie Custer introduced an amendment to UCMJ and passed that amendment in the House of Representatives. So currently we're looking for senators because when you pass laws, they have to be uh, done bicamerally. In other words, they have to be done in both houses. They have to be done in the um, Congress is made up of the House of Representatives and the Senate. And we have to get it passed in both places in order for it to become law. The same is true in the states. You have to pass it in the House of Representatives uh, also known as the assembly, and you have to pass it in the Senate. In New York, we have it pending in both the assembly and the Senate in New York state. We have passed it in the House of Representatives in Congress, and we need to get it introduced in the Senate in Congress. So, uh, you know, we're making strides, we're moving ahead. Uh, we need people that will help us to get us to their legislators, because as their constituent, that legislator is more interested in listening to their constituents because their constituents elect them. So we need your constituent body to come up and step up and help us get to your legislator so that we can get this introduced in every state across the country. Yeah, we're happy to work with you. Um... I would also add in, in terms of things to do, the first thing I would say is to talk to people about this. Oh, one of the things that we've learned when we went to legislators and said, hey, you know, we're here because we want to define consent in the law without exception. Legislators say, huh, what? It's, it's not defined in the law. And, you know, we're educating them. I mean, I have friends I've spoken to, you know, acquaintances and everybody is astonished. So we have to spread the word that, hey, you know, just because the law mentions consent or, you know, talks about this, that or the other, um, tries to craft some kind of harebrained explanation of it, it is not defined. And that is why we're having so many issues and problems with, uh, you know, non-prosecutions and, you know, victim blaming and shaming. So that's the first thing we want to spread awareness that this is going on. I would also, and I'm sure you would recommend it, Tony, um, tell everybody to watch Joyce's TED Talk. Yeah. or TEDx talk rather. And um, that's, it's about 17 minutes and it really is a very powerful personal statement um, and, you know, talks about some of the issues that we, we covered today and is really a call to action. I would also say, uh, 
read Joyce's book, Your Consent, The Key to Conquering Sexual Assaults. I know that you've read it. It's a, it's a really smartly condensed manual. You know, you could probably read it in about a half hour. And as you see in the end, every state, she dissects the laws in every state and, and, and shows where they're deficient. Um, I would also follow us on social media. Um, we both are working, we work both mostly on our Instagram accounts and we can link them here. And um, again, if you want us, yes, right, hashtag, right. And if you want to, oh, or hashtags, right. Mm -hmm. We have hashtags that we work with, FGKIA, obviously, freely given knowledgeable informed agreement and codify consent. And these are hashtags we're trying to make uh, viral. So um, that's what I would say about, you know, if you're interested, um, we're always posting about, you know, the newest, I always call it the newest consent fires to put out the newest consent crises, because, you know, we just saw it in Spain, that they're very, very happy yes. that they passed a yes means yes law. And so and or or they also call it affirmative consent, which is redundant and wrong um you know especially for you and people who have suffered cultic abuse uh, high control group abuse we want to get the message out that yes means yes is absolutely not the way to go is victim blaming it's toxic that means if you said yes you consented and it also intimates that you and i and we had a hand in you know eliciting our own abuse um, that if there was something that we did differently, um, we wouldn't be abused. And, you know, again, the offense is the abuse, not our agreement or us being bamboozled or anything like that. So we definitely want to always reinforce that, especially with your community. Sexual assault is one of the very few crimes where you see the consistent victim blaming that you see. If somebody um, coerced you, and ran off with your pet pig, uh, nobody, nobody would blame you. Oh, you were scared. So of course you gave them your pet pig. Um, but when you give into, uh, when you give into your fear, uh, in order, uh, in order uh, uh, for that person to abuse you, um, then you're, you're to be blamed for, uh, you know, for that to happen. So uh, it's it's uh, unfortunate that we uh, don't use the same yardstick in determining what's uh, you know what's faulty in sexual assault that we use to determine what's faulty in uh, someone uh, robbing you, uh, someone kidnapping your child, uh, someone you know setting fire to your I don't know property, mm -hmm. uh, you know every crime. Uh, and, and all human interaction is really based on our understanding of consent. And we all know what consent is, but we don't apply it properly when it comes to domestic violence, sex trafficking, uh, sexual assault, sex um, rape. You know, it just, our brains go into the murky zone. Yeah. And I had a question, so maybe you can help uh, clarify, especially for the audience. You know those who who lived with me in in this religious slash cult environment, uh, and I'm asking because one of my guests previously, uh, who lived with me in in the group, he mentioned about a manip a manipulation in recruitment. So in my case, um, well, I was there for eleven years, but like around the seventh year, I 
my my vows because we take temporary vows it's like you take your vows of chastity poverty and obedience i'm going to take it for three years and then at the end of those three years you go ahead and you're supposed to uh either you choose to stay or you can you can leave and it's supposed to be free like a freely given choice however um i remember the way it was was the the priest came came to me and a few other brothers and was like look today you're gonna take your vows so um after mass you know we're gonna we're gonna do this and no one else is saying anything so it's like okay so i guess i'm gonna take my vows so you go and you know you take your vows and i now i have to finish because i'm in in my in my mind i'm thinking okay i made this agreement so i gotta stick to it so as the agreement is coming to an end for those extra three years, I remember approaching one of the uh, the superiors in the community and asking him, or not asking, but telling him, hey, I, I'm ready to leave and I'm not going to renew my, my vows. And I was asked, well, why not? And I, my response was, well, I didn't sign up for this. I mean, the way, the way it was, it was explained to me was I was going to be doing X, Y, and Z, but instead I'm doing ABC, I'm doing something else. And this isn't what I signed up for. But then what I was kind of told was, well, like you signed your name, you agreed to this, you're still under your vows. So here's your ticket and uh, you're going to the Philippines. I, I went, to, I got sent to the Philippines, but then it kind of bothered me, you know, interiorly because i'm thinking well i did consent and i, I want to ask is that acquiescence is that assenting what would that what would that be uh it's uh it is acquiescence um you were uh you were uh lied to so you you assented uh you were agreeing on the face of it Yes. They told you something would happen or that you'd have certain responsibilities. And the responsibilities that you received were different than what they told you. So on the face of it, yes, you agreed, but you weren't knowledgeable and informed. So you assented. Now, if you agreed out of fear, they said, um, you know, you're going to do this or we're going to kill your mother. You know, I'm, I'm, I know that's that's kind of far-fetched, but actually in sex trafficking, that happens all the time, particularly uh, for uh, women in foreign countries. Um, but um, if you're in fear, then you're acquiescent. You're under duress. In your circumstance, they lied to you. They distorted what your responsibilities would be, and then... Uh, they gave you a different set of responsibilities. So you agreed to one thing, but you didn't agree to another thing, the thing that actually they uh, were engaging you in. So you assented, you agreed on the face of it, just like Larry Nasser's victims. Mm -hmm. They assented. Uh, he told them that this was medically necessary. Uh, they didn't know any better. They agreed, they assented. But did they consent? Did they freely give knowledgeable and informed agreement. So what happened to you is assent, not really acquiescence, unless you felt a, a fear 
uh, for if you refused them, what would you know? What would be the end result of refusing them? Well, it, and it, it's very interesting because I know that there are other. You know, I know people don't like to be called victims, but you know, we'll just use that term. You know, there are many victims in in this community who I feel, you know, I love them to death, but it's like the guilt is on them because, you know, and I've been through that path where it's like, well, I chose and, you know, reading your book, I've been kind of thinking about, you know, the, I, I, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but during my journey, I felt that, yes, I consented to this. I can, I wrote, I wrote my name down and, you know, they make you, there's like this pressure where you're in front of people and you have to stand up and you have to say, yes, you know, I, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, you know, freely choose. But there's this pressure because, you know, no one else is is backing out. You have people around you who are uh, witnesses and, you know, you don't want to, I guess, you know, wimp out. But, you know, now that I'm gone, I was kind of thinking of, Yes, I gave my consent, but like kind of like down the road. Oh, yeah, I, I gave my assent. I, I gave my assent, which I which I confused with. I had I personally confused with consent. Yeah. But then later on, I was I, I wanted to remove that consent. And you I, I think you you're explaining it in in the book, for example, um like when someone is engaging in sexual activity, you know, you might say yes at the beginning, but then later on when the person says no, that's when it, when it stops. That's, that's when. Of course, because you're not freely giving it any longer, are you? No. Right. And, and uh, what's also interesting, interesting in this conversation about, uh, about how you believed you were responsible for moving forward because they were making you feel responsible. After all, you, as they, uh, as they framed it, had consented. They know that you didn't consent. They know that they manipulated you. They know that they told you lies, right? Uh, lack of consent doesn't happen as an accident, those people knew that they were manipulating you and they tried to manipulate you even further. They knew right from the get-go that what they told you they, that you would be doing was different than what they would have you do. It was very different. And then ultimately, they continued to try to manipulate you by holding you to, uh, to the fact that you had taken this vow. Right. Yeah, this happened in um, the Nexium cult too. Um, it the uh, it, it's on record. It's on a, an audio tape that Keith Raniere was saying to Allison Mack about the branding of the women with his initials, with their initials. He said, "You know, I think it's a good idea if you have the women say, um, you know, master." can you please brand me? It would be an honor. He said, cause you know, we're, you know, we got to get the consent issue taken care of there. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, what Keith Raniere was very cognizant of the fact that he knew that this wasn't going to be consent, but he wanted to have that on the record so that he could look back and say, 
oh, that's what they said. They consented just like you. Oh, look, Tony signed something. Look, I have this document, you know, and, um, so they you know, conveyed, they conveyed agreement, mm -hmm. right? But that agreement really wasn't consent, right? So the, con the conveyance of an agreement is not consent unless the noun consent is actually taking place. Right. Just because they can get you to assent to something doesn't mean that you consented it. And that's why we're so outraged at these new uh, legislative efforts to define consent as enthusiastic consent or knowing consent or all this baloney, because it's, the, it's putting the responsibility on the victim instead of putting the responsibility where it belongs. Has the, um, ha has the person used malicious influence in order to get the other person to do what they want them to do or say what they want them to say? If malicious influence is, uh, is creating the, influ if, if um, yeah, malicious behavior is creating that influence, then that person is not consenting no matter what they say or no matter what they do. And the person who is the offender knows whether they have used malicious influence or not. And, and all these yes means yes uh, kinds of concepts completely undermine the real basis of consent being that if malicious influence is uh, is what's motivating you, then you're not consenting. But that person can, that person must motivate you in a way that's not malicious, not me, contrived, not malicious, right? I'm, and if that, and if, and, and if it's not malicious, then you're, you're consenting. But if it's malicious and that person knows that it's malicious, mm -hmm. then you're not consenting no matter what you say or do. You've been fooled, you've been tricked, you've been uh, forced, you've been coerced, but you haven't consented. And this nonsense about enthusiastic consent, first of all, enthusiastic consent undermines your second degree, uh, second amendment right to free speech, right? Why, why in God's name should the state or the federal government dictate how you speak uh, when you're when you're conveying consent to another, particularly in in a bedroom, uh, the state of the state of New York should not climb into that and climb into bed with you and determine how you should be speaking enthusiastically. No, this is baloney. I need uh, some pom poms. There are people that don't want to <laughs> speak at all when they're when they're having sex. Mm -hmm. Right. You know that you, the state of New York should not be dictating, or the state of Florida should not be dictating how you speak, uh, what, what they have to understand is that it's the influence that caused you to agree that determines whether that agreement qualifies as consent or not. And, and I'm happy that you've, you know, clearly made that separation of definitions because acquiescence and assent aren't the same as consent. And you just caught me, you just caught me red-handed 
falling into that trap where I said, yeah, you know, I consented. And then you corrected me. You said, no, you assented. But I, in my mind, because, you know, I, I trusted them. I trusted that they were leading me in, in a good direction. And as you pointed, no, there is malicious intent where they knowingly are committing fraud and deceiving the person. And I'm just, I'm just so happy that you're able to kind of bring that peace, even in me right now during this podcast, because I had that confused. There are people that believe that if they can get you to do what they want you to do by any malicious means, that it's acceptable behavior, right? It's your fault. They believe that. They believe wholeheartedly that if they can trick you, force you, or coerce you into doing what they want you to do, that it's your fault. And that's the concept that our laws are actually based on because that is a concept that is as old as time. And it has to go, and it has to uh, be brought all the way back to the concept of chastity, where uh, the, uh, the father owned the woman's, that uh, goes all the way back to chattel, I'm sorry, chattel. Uh, that, um, that the father owns your chastity and he sells it to the highest bidder. And, uh, and then your husband owns your chastity, right? All this concept of ownership of a person's right to bodily autonomy or to any autonomy. As adults, we should have the ability to, uh, in all of our interpersonal interaction, uh, to have control and have consent over what happens to us. And particularly when it comes to our bodily autonomy. And that's the thing that is missing in, in this uh, undermining of Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. The whole concept that a woman has bodily autonomy uh, and, uh, and, and why, you know, there is an intersection here between Roe versus Wade and sexual assault. Uh, those things that are being undermined, the, the, they're, they're not just your sex organs, they're your reproductive organs. Uh, and when we call them sex organs, we think of them as entertainment. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people think, oh, it's fun, it's entertainment. No, no, no. <laughs> You're messing with somebody's reproductive organs, yeah. and we got to get that concept straight. And that person has bodily autonomy over their reproductive organs. And you're doing a great mission, you know, getting that that uh, message, that definition across the board. And I wanted to ask the two of you, you know, as we as we wrap up here, um, what would your response be to people who tell you, you know what, Joyce, you know what, Nina, you're wasting your time. No nothing's going to happen. You know, it's it's a woman's responsibility to to uh take care of herself if she says yes that's that's good enough just uh just just shut up already just leave it alone stop wasting your time what would be your response to people like that there's a yeah. lot of ignorance in the world that's mm -hmm. my response that's oh wow believes that is just ignorant well they are ignorant and you know my response would be uh, you know, it's kind of why I got, got into this. I don't want what happened to me to happen to anybody else. And I want to go out there and educate people. And I mean, obviously a person saying this would be very uneducated, 
but um, you know, I want to spread the word about consent and um, and educate people, or you know, re realign their understanding of it. Um, because again, you know, uh, survivors make the best advocates, and um, we're just not going to stop. You know, human beings are built to bond, and uh, we all have uh, the ability to trust, as long as we are not uh, in. Uh, culture, um, what, what's it called? Um, uh, B profiles, um, people that are antisocial personality disorder or uh, narcissistic personality disorder, uh, people that have the basic ability to trust can be manipulated. Uh, and unfortunately, there are people that are just basic manipulators. Uh, and uh, it's not right, it's not good, it's not something that we should tolerate. And until we actually have laws to create the boundaries, then it will persist. There will always be people that will manipulate and people that will be manipulated because we are built to bond and to trust. And no one should uh, exploit the ability, uh, another person's ability to trust in order to harm that person. We all have a responsibility not to do harm to other people. You know, we're not, uh, we're not coyotes, we're not bears, uh, we're human beings, and we are very, very special because we're human beings. Uh, we have brains that operate on a different frequency uh, and uh, we're, we're all dependent on each other. Uh, and as a society, we're not fierce, we're not lions, we're not tigers. Uh, we need each other in order to create you know, tribes that are successful, especially back in the caveman days, mm -hmm. right? If you weren't able to create a tribe where you trusted each other, right? Then you'd be eaten by the bears and by the, by the tigers, yeah. right? So we all needed, because we're, we're not the most ferocious. And our children, uh, our children take years and years to mature, as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, animals on the lower end of the phylum that, you know, mature, you know, within one year or, or, or less. So in order for those children to mature, uh, Mother Nature has created this bonding mechanism uh, called uh, mating that helps us cleave to another person so that we can together uh, raise our children. And that uh, cleaving mechanism uh, enables people to unfortunately manipulate other people because you have to trust in order to create that kind of bond. So it's innate in who we are as human beings that we have this ability to trust and this ability to bond and this ability to help one another. And there are people that are just predators that manipulate that bonding mechanism in order to create harm. And we have to have laws in order to prevent that from happening. Yeah, to prevent that. And it's, it's, so, it's so heartbreaking because, you know, victims or, you know, the vulnerable, they deserve protection. Mm -hmm. They deserve a voice. And what you, Joyce, and Nina are doing is you're not backing down 
you're you're going in there you're being i don't want to say aggressive but you're being passionate because there is a problem that's happening and hopefully this this you know hopefully as people read your book your consent the key to conquering sexual assault it will inform people it'll educate people uh even victims that it it wasn't their fault it wasn't consent and hopefully you know uh, educating uh, victims, the family around them, and society, so it can then go into our legal system and and have an influence right. there. We need the demand to increase from society so that our legislators recognize, hey, I'm not going to be voted out of office because I'm supporting what's right. I'm going to be voting uh, voted out of office office if I don't support what's right. So we have to kind of change the paradigm here uh, and we need demand for soci from society in order to do this. So thank you, Tony, for having us on today and helping us raise the level of demand in society. And anybody that wants to give us a call, uh, get, on the, get on the consent train, uh, we're happy to hear from them. Uh, and we'll bring the consent train to their jurisdiction and uh, make it happen uh, where, they, where they live make the world a safer place and yeah and i got the links from uh nina so i'll be posting that uh here below on my uh description i'll also be uh sharing the information through twitter and instagram and on my facebook and um thank you so much is there any last words that either of you would like to uh share or or say anything nina I'll let you go first there well i just want to reiterate the healing um the healing that can come when uh, survivors understand the definition of consent and they can lift from themselves this idea that something that they did or said or even are uh, somehow contributed to their abuse. And that's the message I want to leave here tonight. Thank you. And my message is that every single person that's listening to this can make a difference. Amen to should that. make a difference. Yes, thank right? you. If you. If you want the world to change, you need to be a catalyst for change. So, you know, do what it takes, help us and, uh, and, and uh, help society. So thank you very much, uh, Joyce and Nina. It's been a pleasure. And it's, this is my first interview with uh, someone whom I haven't met because I've been, you know, usually interviewing like, you know, friends and, um, you know, those close to me because as, as a new podcaster, it's nerve wracking, you know, breaking through that, um, breaking through the fears, the anxiety, the fears that no one's going to listen. And here I am, you know, growing and you know, you. full of passion. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, as I said, I'll be posting the links below so people can hopefully not only read your book, but also join you in this mission. Great. Thank you for having us on today. Thank you for your courage, Tony. Sincerely. Thank you.